curse was introduced. And it's been, from generation to generation, it's been revitalized. I really believe a lot of the curses that, that are on the planet right now could really be removed if, if at least one generation would, or if, if your generation, if you, if you in your family would just stand up and say, the curse is done on my home. The curse is done on my, on my family. And I know I, I, we always get in hot water when we talk about curses because there's always someone who'll say, yeah, but if you're a Christian, you can't, you know, the curse. No such thing as a curse on Christians. Oh, really? Well, I've been around long enough to see them. So just argue with my experience. We say there's no such thing as a curse, yet childbearing, pain in childbearing is a curse. And just because you're a Christian, and how about that curse on us guys? We're still working. By the sweat of our brow. And the women have insisted on sharing in our curse. (laughs) So y'all have that curse, I guess, now too. But we're all equal, praise God. Be careful what you ask for. So there is, even though you're a Christian, we're still affected by some things. And there are some things that we need to deal with. And, and here's what I, I want you to get this, because I don't want you to get all, oh, no, there's a curse. Listen, if there is a curse in your family line and you're a Christian, it's not legal to be there. How many know the devil works outside the law? It's not legally supposed to be there, but, uh, but, you know, I don't know if the lights are still flashing out there, but we all broke the law this morning. (laughs) The railroad lights, we all went through them. (laughs) Or none of us would be in church unless you came from the north. We, we, (laughs) you didn't sin, you're okay. Father, forgive me. There there are curses, but they're not legal. And once we realize them, we simply can repent. You say, well, I never, I didn't say you participated, but we can repent of that and repent of our ancestors' sin. Yeah, that's biblical. I don't have time to get into all that, but that's biblical. I repent for what granddad did. And in Jesus' name, that curse has to go. It all started in Genesis chapter 3, verse 14, right? So, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle, right? And, and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go, and ye shall eat dust. Well, that ought to be part of our prayer life. Devil, eat dust. Trouble is, we're all made of dust. No wonder he gives us a hard time. On your belly you shall go eat dust all, all the days, all the days of your life. Eat dust, devil. Eat dirt. Amen. And I will put enmity. I'll put an enemy. I'll put a, a, a you know, a fight between you and the woman. Um, and, and that woman is Eve, and that woman was Mary, and that woman is the church, and all this, right? And, and, and between... Uh, your seed and her seed. This is, there are two seed lines in history. 
agree or not, or do something. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel, because he's going to get a major stomping. <laughs> to the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply your sorrow and your conception. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. And by the way, that's an interesting verse I don't have time to talk about. <laughs> it's not necessarily what you think. Okay, verse, is there another verse 17? Uh, then to Adam he said, because you have uh, heeded the voice of your wife. See, guys, you get in trouble sometimes. And I've eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sin. In toil you shall eat of it all the day. Okay, so, so on and so forth. Let's go on down there. So there's a line, and Cain and Abel, right? So Cain uh, kills Abel, and now you got Seth. So you got the line of Cain. Cain kept the sin alive, and Seth is the good line. And all through history, you got these lines until you come to Noah and his, and his three sons. And one of those sons kept the line going. Remember what Ham did. Old Noah gets intoxicated. He gets drunk after the flood, right? Plants a vineyard, can't wait for the grapes. As soon as the grapes come in, he's like, I'm going on a binge. And he got drunk. And I'll tell you, if I had to be on that boat for a year, I probably would have drunk too. Hello. But here's the difference. He said, well, Noah committed to sin. He's drunk. I mean, he's so intoxicated, he's lying in his tent. Hello? And, but the Bible says that Noah recovered himself and offered a sacrifice. That means he repented. But his son Ham peeks through the curtain. And I know we've always heard it preached that he just looked on his father's nakedness. But if you look at the term looked upon that, that doesn't just mean looking. There's a perversion. I have to... Carefully choose my words here. There's a, there's a sexual perversion going on here. And that perversion has gone all through the line. And, and some of that line may be in your family, but you can rebuke it and tear that down, and that line has got to stop with you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Hallelujah. I, I know, you know, our lives, you know, my family line completely changed. Listen, whenever we, we just break that in Jesus' name and begin to have a generational blessing instead of generational curses. In fact, that line produces the Canaanites and so on and so forth. And, you know, one of the hardest things in the Old Testament is this thing about go in, like, like going to Jericho and kill everybody, not just the men, women, children, animals. Why do you need to kill everything? It is not politically correct. But you know why? Because those curses can be passed on, even through animals. And he says, we've got to kill this thing. He said, we've got to stop the curse. And there's no Jesus in the Old Testament. So that, I mean, that's a hard thing to say. But praise God, it's the truth. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It's interesting uh, that um, 
Oh, there's so much here. Genesis 9, verse 20, uh, 24 through 27. It's interesting that it says that, that Shem, and that's where we get the Jewish nation, right? That's why, by the way, that's why they're called Semites and anti-Semitism. It's because they're descendants of Shem. So, so Noah awoke from his wine. Okay, we don't need to read that, but you know the story. You can flip through that so they can read it as I preach so we can keep going here. But, but it's interesting that, and, and, and it'll say in the Scripture that uh, Japheth and Ham will dwell in the tent of Shem. In other words, uh, the blessings come under Shem's tent. And the word Shem literally means name. So it says, as long as you dwell under the name, you get a blessing. <laughs> Glory to God. Well, the name is not really Shem. The name is Jesus. And if we'll dwell under the tent of Jesus, the blessings will come to your home. But if you dwell under any other tent, then you receive the curses that come through the tent. And one thing i got to explain, there's a difference between sin and iniquity. A sin is an act. It's an individual act of disobedience. We understand that. But when you persist in it and you refuse to repent in it, sin becomes what is called iniquity. And we see that term all through the Scriptures. A sin is a sin. Iniquity. The word iniquity means to be bent. In other words, it means that you're not straight anymore. You have a certain bent. You have a certain tendency. There's a certain thing that goes on in your home and in your family now. It's not that people in your family occasionally do this sin, but your family is bent that way. Are you, are you understand? There, there's a distortion in the family line, and that's what iniquity means. Matthew 24 and 12 talks about uh, the last days, and he says, and they will become, and lawlessness, right? And lawlessness will abound, and the love of many will grow cold. Iniquity is that lawlessness. And because of it, the love of the church is going to grow cold. I, I think that's why I had to say something this morning, because we can't just ignore it. We can't just pretend it's not there. We've got to start praying and believing and getting a hold of God. Amen. If we don't wake up, we will go to sleep because of lawlessness. We can't just sit by and say, well, just let the world go, you know, in a, in a handbasket. No, 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 no. We, listen, we're the light. We're the salt. And we need to stand up. Amen. Look at Genesis chapter 15. This is interesting. It talks about this. It says, but in the fourth generation, they shall return here for the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. What he's saying is after the fourth generation, I'm bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt. I'm not doing it today. I'm waiting four generations. I'm waiting four generations. Why? Because the iniquity, the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet complete. This, this is what 2 Thessalonians 2.7 talks about, the mystery of iniquity. And the mystery is this. We say, why doesn't God do something? He's on His way. He's waiting. He's waiting for this to reach a fullness in other words, when it gets, when the bucket's full, he's going to say, enough's enough. 
and it's over. Don't think God's never going to do anything about what's going on in the world. He's waiting for the iniquity to be full. And when it's full, God's going to move. Mm -hmm. How many remember Achan? I like his name because he, he was Achan. <laughs> he stole some Babylonian blankets. Remember Jericho? And he stole some gold. And you would think, say, all right, you got to die. But his family died. The animals died. <laughs> Apparently, demonic powers and curses can be attached to things as well. So he says, we're going to burn that. We're going to get rid. Listen, we're not taking the gold. We're not taking the garments. We're not taking anything out of that city. We're going to burn it to the ground. In fact, they, they found Jericho, and they, they found this, this like a six-inch layer of ash, and the walls fell over. They found bodies, skeletons under the wall. Of course, they tried to say that's a different time. Yeah, I, your timing is suspect. But I'm here to tell you everything went. Why? Because we just can't allow the sin to go, for, the iniquity to go from generation to generation because it spreads. This is the, this is the mystery of iniquity. Exodus uh, 20 and verse 5. Are you okay? This is a weird sermon. You okay? Next week will be better because I'll talk about the blessing. He said, you shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. Visiting what? The iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations. Iniquity will go four generations. Hello? Listen, I'm not trying to disturb you. I'm trying to uh, uncover some things that can easily be dealt with. He said, how do I know there's a curse? Because the same thing's happening. Alcoholism. Wife abuse. Come on. Anger issues. Depression. Certain sicknesses. He said, this isn't normal. There's, there's something weird about this. My, my great-grandmother had it. My grandmother had it. My mother had it. And now, now the doctor's saying, I have it. Well, that may be a curse. Let's just repent of whatever caused it. And in Jesus' name, that thing has to stop with your generation. And your children are free. Praise him in Jesus' name. Deuteronomy 7 and verse 9. Therefore know that the Lord your God, he is God, the faithful God, who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. A thousand generations. And you say, well, I guess there's an end to the blessing. If 20 years is a generation, and it's only been 6,000 years since Adam... I think I did my math right. There's only been 300 generations. So when he said a thousand, he's, what he's really saying is forever. All forever. Because once you get to heaven, that's forever. 
That's forever. Isaiah 53 and 5 is the answer. But he was for our transgression. That's the word sin, right? But he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. Boy, that verse just sums up everything. Anything you need is right there in that verse. Every answer to every problem in your life is right there in verse 5. Notice he was wounded, cut, but he was bruised. Listen, there's a difference between a cut and a bruise. Mm-hmm. Bruise, you go to the doctor, and say, well, there's nothing you can do about it. It just, just has to heal. A cut can be dealt with, but a bruise. But maybe the better illustration is fruit. How many knows what happens when a fruit, you, drop, you drop a perfectly good piece of, uh, 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 you drop a peach to the ground, and it, and it bruises, what happens? That bruise will continue to grow until it breaks, and the fruit flies come, and, and before you know it, you got a mess. That's the kind of bruise he's talking about. It festers in our life. Amen. It's not, not just a cut like a sin, but it's a bruise that festers from generation to generation. So, so listen, how are we set free? Anybody want the answer? How are we set free? Number one, stop blaming everyone else. Boy, we see that everywhere here. Come on. It's never their fault. It's always someone else's fault. I call it the alcoholic syndrome. Alcoholics are notorious for this. It's always someone else's fault. But now it's just spread. Everyone's a victim. Listen, you know the problem with being a victim is there's no hope. If you you say, look, I'm victim, V-I-C-T-I-M, that's me, then you're done. I don't ever want to be labeled victim. I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus the Lord. I'm not a victim. What does victim get you? A free ride? I don't know what it gets you, but I don't want to ever be a victim. Please do not get that victim mentality. Come on, church. Cain blamed Abel, his brother. Esau blamed Jacob for losing the inheritance. Saul uh, blamed David for all his problems. Listen, it's all through the scriptures. Stop blaming and take responsibility. Repent in Jesus' name and let God turn your life around. Amen. Repent for your sins and repent for your ancestors' uh, sins as well. If I had time, I could quote scripture after scripture of, of righteous people who repented over their ancestors. Proverbs 28 and 13. He who covers his sin will not prosper, but whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy, 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 mercy. There, there has to be, oh, Jesus, there has to be a continual cleansing going on. Isn't it a good feeling when you plant that garden and it looks so pretty? And two weeks later, it's full of weeds. I didn't plant weeds. <laughs> the devil's the best gardener in the world. You have to continually pull Reminds me of Romans 12, 1, right? Renew the mind. Pull the weeds. Listen, 
I love that thing they have now. You sprinkle it, and it prevents weeds from growing. Isn't that great? That's called worship. Worship is the weed preventer. The devil can't plant weeds when you're worshiping. Woo! Ah, I thought for sure everyone in the place would fall out when I said that. <laughs> Are you hearing what I'm saying? Worship is the weed preventer. Whew, praise God for that. Did I do uh, Ephesians 5, 26? Uh, but he, that, that he might sanctify and cleanse her, the church, with the washing of water by the word. See, the word and worship, it washes, it cleans. Oh, I read, I read the Bible once in a while. I pull a few weeds. I tell you, a few weeks ago, my yard got so out of hand. I said, Gloria, I'm going to go out and pull all the big ones. I pulled just enough that they couldn't see it from the road. I said, Lord, this wears me. I can't, I can't pull every one of these weeds. But I pulled, and if anyone wants to come help me pull weeds, the Lord would bless you. But I pulled all the, all the weeds a foot or higher, just pulled all those big ones out. I felt so much good. You know, we're always pulling the big ones, but the little ones become big ones. Next, after you repent, you need to bind the strong man. You know the scripture, Matthew 10, 6, you've got to bind the strong man. Or, or how can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds, binds the strong man, and then he will plunder his house? You, a lot of us can't get blessings because we don't have the house. And by the way, that word, Greek word for house can also mean family or home. It, it implies generations. You can't, a lot of us aren't, getting, aren't, aren't being blessed because we don't, we, don't, we don't, our own family's not in our hands. The enemy has, is just destroying homes, generation after generation. And we just go, I don't know what's going on. I'm telling you what's going on. There's an illegal curse on your home and on your family and on your generations. And maybe you can live with it, but do you want your kids to live with it? Amen. If, if you stop it and don't trigger it again, then it's done, gone, forever on your children's lives Done, gone, forever on your children's lives. Oh, give him a praise in the house. Yes, Lord, we do that in Jesus' name. Does that make sense? Look, you're not going to hear this preached in a lot of places. Okay. Maybe I shouldn't preach it. Here's the last point. I mean business now. Thank you for praying. I do feel better. But I got to do this again. <laughs> Number four, claim your home and rejoice. Claim your home. Don't just, don't just, don't just remove the curse. Claim the blessings. We'll talk about this next week, but you know what? There were blessings on Grandpa that he never took. I, I just said, Lord, I don't know. Back. 
you know, they traced uh, on my dad's side, they traced it all the way back to like the seven, no, no, one, one chain went back to the 1500s. And, and, and every one of them was one denomination. You know which one that was. I'm the first non-Catholic in uh, who God knows how many generations that is. All the way back to the 1500s, you know, something was broke there. Not, not, that, not that they can't go to heaven or anything, but something was broke then. Wow. And, and <laughs> Jesus, I got to behave. <laughs> We've got to claim this blessing. And I've just prayed, God, if my great, 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 great grandfather didn't claim a blessing, I want his. The blessings are a lot stronger than the curses. I'm sure there were many things they didn't claim. And I, I don't even know what they are, but I claim them in Jesus' name. Whoo, glory to God. Before you know it, I'll be playing piano and I'll be. <laughs> and. Well, I don't know why that would pop in my head, but uh, that would be like the last, I can't chew gum and walk, so playing piano would be amazing. <laughs> Jesus, help us. But you've you got to start claiming. Let, let me give you an example of this. I, I, like, I, like, I, I love what Martin Luther King said in, in his speech, I Have a Dream. And he said in that speech that our, our, our fathers, our founding fathers said all men are created equal. And, and they're being torn apart because they weren't living that, right? I mean, we know, we know that wasn't true for everybody. And that's why everyone's all upset. Martin Luther King didn't get upset, but here's what he said. He said, our founders wrote a check, and it's time we cashed it. At least the founders said all men are created equal. They didn't have the strength or the know-how to abolish slavery that early. But 100 years later, we went to war and 600,000 people died. Remember, the population is a lot smaller. Nobody in the country, everybody in the country, north, south, knew someone who died in that war. And here's what Lincoln said about that. Here's what Abraham Lincoln said about it. He said, the blood. He said, I, I think this war, he was trying to define that war. He said, that war, for, for every, it was God's judgment. He said, for every drop of blood from the whip, a drop of blood had to fall in the war. Lincoln knew someone, knew something about this. There's a judgment but it was paid in blood. It was paid in blood. 600,000 people died in that war. But now, 100 years later, in the 60s, we started cashing that check back. Amen. I was there. <laughs> I like to say that now because it's like, you know, I'm so old. I, I didn't know Noah, but I did know one of his sons. You know, I'm, that's how old I am. But it's time, you know, we're in a point now where and we haven't cashed it all yet, but we've cashed a lot of it. And church, it's time you cash that check 
on your family. It's time you cast the check on the promises God made to your family. It's time you cast the check on all the blessings that were due your family, your answer. It's time to cash the check. I, I like this. In fact, I, I, I like it so I put it on Facebook this morning. And, and I, I, I never occurred to me before, but Martin Luther King never marched at night. He always marched in the light. And church, it's time to stand in the light. It's time to be the church. It's time to stand, be salt and light. Genesis 32, if you, I don't know if I'll read it, but you scroll through that, 27 and 28. When Jacob was asked what his name was, he was pretty embarrassed. He said, well, my name is Jacob, and that means deceiver. Can you imagine, imagine that's your name? What's your name, deceiver? Boy, that's a tip-off. What's that guy? <laughs> imagine calling him, hey, deceiver, come on for dinner. And he wrestled with an angel, right? He said, from now on, your name is Israel. He changed his name. That's what repentance will do. That's how, listen, Whatever name is, you know, maybe your family's known for something bad. Whatever that is, that can be reversed. It's time to reverse the curse. Change the name. And my question to you today is, question to me to you is, what's, what's your name? What's the family name? Let's get our